This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy! It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black, welcome to Chicago. Keeping it going. Live stream is live and we are still recording here with Chuck Anderson, returning guest on the podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, we've had you on for a one-on-one and we had you on, uh, I think, at least one panel. Yeah, I think one panel with Elise, Dennis. Yeah, at Mosaic. Mosaic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Dennis Lawrence and Elise Swopes. And, and both incredible talents, but honestly, like, in my opinion, I think Dennis Lawrence might be, like, my favorite photographer in Chicago. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's, His work's uh, incredible. I met Dennis when he was an intern, a young intern, uh, when I... Uh, started at Havas and uh, he I could just tell he was like a talented hardworking kid and he's just come a super long way really quickly over the last couple of years and I always enjoy his work and his eye and yeah. uh, just you know, a lot of respect for him he's a good he's a good dude and it's funny I had uh, Nolas Anderson sitting here a couple mm-hmm. weeks back and he was like man you know thanks for inviting me on I actually attended one of your panels and it was the panel with like Chuck and Dennis and Elise and I was like oh that was a great event and that's what kind of made me think like oh my god it's been a minute since we've had Chuck yeah, on yeah. so yeah you know he and I have the event. same name right like his real name is Charles yeah that's, that's what yeah, he was saying yeah <laughs> that's actually the re- like on someone confused him for me on Twitter and that was how he and I kind of connected and met first I'm like I feel like we should get we should meet sometime yeah because we have the same name that's pretty <laughs> funny um so you you know man you have been doing a lot of cool stuff and you're always I think doing a lot of cool stuff but you know bring us into kind of where you are at in 2019 because you were last time we spoke you were at Havas but now you are at a different agency and man I just feel like you are at a lot of places right now yeah, um, I left Tavas um, in late 2017. I took off uh, right around Thanksgiving, um, took about a month and a half off. My daughter was born um, in August um, of 2017, and so I just kind of decided I would take a month and a half and just be with her. My wife went back to work, and I just did stay-at-home dad with a tiny baby at home for a bit. Um, was it nice to kind of just have some space to, like... You know, just kind of exist yeah. for a minute with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, Everybody uh, always says taking care of a newborn baby is so relaxing. They do? No, no. <laughs> but you know, it probably was a different change of pace than being in like the yeah. agency world. Yeah, it was. Um, it was good. I needed, you know, I had, I had accepted an offer at a new place, MKTG, um, which I started as the VP of Creative um, in 2018, like on January, like basically Jan second uh, was my my first day, and. Um, so leaving Havas in, in November, I just kind of decided I wanted to take some time before I started and I just took that month to be a dad and just kind of get my bearings and, and get my wits about me. And, um, it was good. It was, you know, it was at times relaxing cause she would nap so much at that age and sure. I would just, you know, it was, Christmas was coming up and I would put her in the stroller and I would just go for a walk and go get breakfast and she would sleep. And then I'd come home and she'd hang out and I'd put her down for a nap and I would just kind of I don't know, do some work. And, um, yeah, it was good though. It was a good kind of, um, sabbatical in a sense for me, sort of between things. And I still do no pattern, like all this, all the while, like kind of the through line for me has always been no patterns always existed. So yeah. in that time I was actually still taking on some no pattern projects, smaller ones, just so I could kind of like be somewhat sane. 
Um, but yeah, so my daughter now, um, she's coming up on two. She'll be two at the end of August. Um, it's wonderful. It's the best thing by a million miles that uh, has ever happened in my life. Um, it eclipses like any work stories or work related successes I've had. Um, just in terms of like joy, I would yeah. say. Um, but that's neither here nor there at this point now, you know, there's that, um, still doing no pattern, a lot of projects, but this has been a really busy year, which has been really cool. I've had, um, you know, I, I kind of kicked the year off with a really big project for the special Olympics, which I was really excited about. Um, that one's not on my site yet, but I did post the kind of recap on my Instagram from that. I did a bunch of pieces for the bank of America, special Olympics. Um, and, uh, it was a, I mean, it was a big like agency project. It wasn't like, like, you know, some sort of small nonprofit type of thing. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a pretty, pretty big one. So, you know, I think, you know, that was a lot of fun. I have a sister with special needs. I have a brother-in-law with special needs. I've got a mother-in-law who was a special needs teacher. I mean, that was a big part of my life. So, um, so I must've had that really personal yeah, absolutely. Very it much felt so. Meaningful. And the video that they they made about my work and kind of my, like I actually traveled to Florida and met a couple of the athletes, and then they put this video together of like me meeting the athletes, and then they put some clips of my sister in there. So it made it a very special project for me um, to be able to kind of weave in, you know, some of my personal story that I actually have never really talked about before in my work. So to be able to talk about my sister um, and talk about that kind of part of my life was really cool. So there was that. Um, I did a project with EA Sports and did a basketball court design that's in a video game that you could buy and download which, for NBA Live, which is that's super awesome. cool. Um, Steelcase um, did a couple projects with them for merch uh, for the Merchandise Smart during Neocon, big giant wall mural, and then a couple other um, textile designs as well, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, and what else? What else? It's just been a bunch of stuff going on. I just finished up a piece for Empire Magazine. Like I'm always doing random magazine stuff, you know. Just kind of that's like sort of my um, where I, where I like came from. Um, yeah, so it's been a good busy year with no pattern stuff, but then also the full time. The full-time job at MKTG has been really good. A lot to learn. Um, yeah. You know, I don't have a background in production or in events or experiential or anything. So I'm kind of teaching people there a lot of things that I know, and they teach me a lot of the things that they know, and it's been a good good relationship. Well, I want to talk about both those worlds. We'll start with the agency. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you mentioned before the mics run when we were swapping stories about our mm-hmm. pet cats mm-hmm. um, that the agency does a lot with, like, music and sports, and obviously yeah. those are worlds that you – are you know very well versed in on both sides but i know sports especially like that just drives so much of your work so was that one of the determining factors in going with them um i'm not sure i mean the the biggest determining factor in going with them was just the need to have a change in my life like Mm -hmm. havas for me it wasn't it just wasn't working anymore um and, uh, I mean, I was obviously attracted to the fact that MKTG had some of the clients that they do, um, and a lot of sports related stuff. Um, that wasn't like the primary reason, but it certainly helped. Um, you know, for me growing up loving sports, but loving creativity and design and art was always interesting. Cause I never had like, I didn't have friends that were into both. Like I either had sports friends or art friends. And so my goal was to kind of like figure out like, how do I make this sort of one and the same? And so how do you bridge those. I think for a long time, I feel like before the internet, before Spotify, before kind of this moment we're in now, it's either like, you know, you were like a punk or a goth or you were a jock, you know, yeah. if you listen to hip hop, you listen to metal. Like, yeah. like segmented. You know, right. Like people were kind of on one side. I remember telling people in high school, like they should listen to Outkast. And these are all my friends who loved Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson. Yeah. And they're like, dude. 
that's rap. And like, yeah. if you told that to a 13 year old now, yeah. they'd look at, like you, like you're crazy. Yeah. It's all blended together. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're in that age of, of like just all the lines of blurred and all the, you know, I mean, Lil Wayne touring with Blink-182, for example, or like having a Nine Inch Nails sample be the the foundation of that Lil Nas X song. You right. Know? It's like, or Miley people covering might, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, and all that yeah. stuff, I think. But I think it's great. I mean, I think like, you know, I, I don't know. I never saw like a need for like kind of no. wall, putting walls around different interests. And so for me, like sports you know, it was something that felt maybe ironic that I was into considering how sort of like artsy and creative I was as a kid. But, um, you know, it made a lot of sense to me and now it's something that I love to do. So yeah, I mean, anyways, the, the work that we do, a lot of it does revolve around sports. A lot of my work revolves around sports. Somehow I find it, I find it, um, easy to do the kind of work that I do with the subject matter of sports. I think like, I don't have to try hard to, you know, if the, yeah, to understand it. But if the purpose of a client, you know, direction to me is to, you know, make something look alive and energetic, you know, like the action in inherent in a f- sports photograph um, helps me out a lot. Like, I don't really have to try. It's not like a photo of a product and like, oh, make this make it filled with light and color. It's like it's just sitting there. You know right, what I mean? Right. And I've done that before. But like, I like the movement and all the things that kind of come with, you it's know, more kinetic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What are you guys doing on the event production side? You know, again, we talked about that a little bit before mm-hmm. the mics were on, but like, it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of the larger activation scale kind of stuff. Yeah. It's a huge, I mean, MKTG is a huge company. I mean, the headquarters are in New York, hundreds of people in that office. Our office in Chicago is quite small. There's only about 30 of us or so here. Um, his office is in San Francisco, LA, London, Brazil, Australia. I mean, it's a worldwide company and it's actually owned by one of the largest, um, you know, holding companies, um, Dentsu, like one of the absolutely enormous, um, Japanese, um, basically like big holding company that owns all sorts of agencies. So it's, it's, you know, it's a big, um, but my office and the people I work with and specifically here in Chicago feels small, which is a little more my speed. Right. Um, but we get, you know, we do a lot of work, um, with, you know, everyone from Nike to Gatorade to NCAA and yeah, lots of different, lots of different clients. Um, and, yeah, it's interesting because I think like my background being in print and in design, you know, like the end result for a lot of the work that I've done is in more of a passive kind of end result for a customer, for them to see it, you know, in a commercial or in a billboard or something and you just sit and watch it versus creating something that people are intended to go to on a certain date and walk inside of and experience live. Yeah, sure. Uh, it puts a different kind of pressure on and a different degree of care that I think you have to take because people are going to actually like spend a part of their day going to what you've been working on. So, you know, like just, uh, you know, I don't know. It's interesting, but like my role in that is as a creative, you know, point of view, but there's so many people who make like a big, you know, if you go to, uh, you know, if you go to Lollapalooza and there's some big activation from some brand and you walk inside of that, it didn't just take like a handful of designers. Like there's union oh, workers yeah. and there's production guys and there's, you know, account Sound, people. lighting, and, water. Yeah. yeah, like all that stuff. Turn the lights on and everything. But even before that, like getting a rendering made and get, like getting, you know, like just t- measurements and um, like all the vendors that you have to, I mean, there's so many moving parts. And I think like for me as someone who worked kind of lone wolf for so long and solo it's interesting to be in this world because it is a team sport and it really does take a village to put 
these kinds of things together that I think people go to and sort of take for granted like how it came to be. It didn't just exist one night. Sure. They yeah, didn't build yeah, it all yeah. in a shop and drive it there in a truck and drop it in. Like there's a lot that goes into it. And so I think it's a lot, the last year and a half has been a lot of learning um, for me, you know, and like what it takes to do something like that. And it's not really anything I ever anticipated getting into, but um, I think it's, it's been a good kind of trial by fire for me to learn, you know, about well, that kind of stuff. And events, there's such a different kind of like, I mean, you're talking about this, like, I feel like there's a different level of risk for something to go wrong. I was listening to a podcast today. There's a new podcast series specifically about Woodstock 99. Yeah, the yep, yeah. Yeah, break stuff, the right. ringer <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Woodstock 99 or Fire Festival are the very extreme versions of an event going about as bad as it could. But it's I, like fair to say that Woodstock 99 went a little better than Fire Festival. Sure. As in, Almost it everything happened. has gone better than Fire yeah, Festival. Yeah. But I mean, you know, there's so many things can go wrong. You could do everything right in the planning stage and then there's a power outage or it starts raining or, right. you know, yeah. just anything goes wrong and the event space, I feel like it's a lot riskier, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that's where you just got, I mean, especially if you're doing something outdoors, I mean, yeah. I mean, weather is, and it rains every Lollapalooza you know? Yeah, now, you know, but I mean, it's rain or shine, a lot of these things and they just do it. So, I mean, like I've been at stuff where, you know, I mean, the worst is like something comes in wrong from the printer and there's no time to actually get it like reprinted. Sure. So what are you going to do about it? You know, like <laughs> you're, you have just to get some white out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So it's just it's interesting. People have well, there's people there that have more years of experience in that world than I do have like crazy horror stories about things like that. Um, I haven't experienced too much of it yet. I haven't been actually on site for like a lot of the things, but um, it's certainly because like I think with print, you get everything perfect before you send it to print. You've got time to proof. Yeah, yeah you proof it, and, and it's all a contained environment. And a live, a live event is <laughs> is not so much. I mean, are you, we we talk about like there's a lot of times with events where like someone will have an idea where we like let the consumer, let the person come in and draw or write, like fill in the blank kind of thing. And it's sure. like, well, do we want to do that? You know, someone's going to draw a dick. Like right. that's just going to happen. So does the brand want to be associated with that? Or is someone going to write like whatever, I don't know, like whatever they want, you know what I mean? So like, right. but at the same time, like you don't want people coming in and experiencing it like robotically. So I mean, there's sort of, I don't know, then, then it's just about having people who are keeping an eye on things and being mindful. And there's just another level of attention that must be paid. Yeah. So, yeah. So on the, you know, on your own side, on the no pattern side, and that's the, of course, the brand that you have been operating under for how long now at this point? 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was, I'm 34, I just turned 34. So it's probably more like 15, but no pattern as a name started when I was 17, actually in high school. So no pattern as like a name has existed since 2002, which is crazy to think about, <laughs> but it's a very different world back then. Um, yeah, very different. I mean, yeah, very, very different. Um, and uh, But in the capacity that it's in now, more since 2004, I mean, obviously a lot's changed, a lot's evolved, but I mean, like at the, at the core of it, I mean, the difference is now that I'm, I have the luxury of being picky and right. that's kind of like to me, I mean, that's not something a lot of people talk about, but like the goal, if you're going to freelance or run your own thing, I think the goal should be to get to the point where like you're choosing what you work on. Right. Not, like, cause when I was just starting out, basically like whoever wanted to hire me was choosing what I'd want to work on, you know, because then you say yes to stuff because you need to. Yeah. You got yeah. rent and yeah. 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 I mean, or you just, yeah, you got, you know, and, and frankly now, I mean, having a full-time job, actually a lot of people have asked me if I feel like that's put 
more pressure on no pattern or if that sort of made it diff- more difficult and like it's taken all the pressure off. Like I have nothing to lose right now with no pattern. Like as long as I am smart about the projects I do, like I've got like the baseline sort of like livelihood that my full-time job provides me. And then no pattern stuff is kind of whatever I decide to take and like whatever degree of emphasis I want to put on it. And it doesn't require my full attention, but I can still keep it, you know, afloat as much as I want, you know, via my site, Instagram, like whatever. Yeah, I'm just generally pretty easy going with it at this point. I mean, it's got a life of its own. I think people know the name No Pattern at this point. I have, I think that's a that's a real, you know, something I've earned and worked really hard to get. Um, and so, you know, I think that there's a lot of equity in the name, and I've just tried to respect what I've built, respect the people who you know come to me for my work, and I'm able to take on a, a project here and there, you know, handful of projects throughout the year, and it continues to, you know sustain some point I might go back and only do this but not in the capacity I used to I don't think I ever want to just freelance again it's it's a hard world you know there's of course pros and cons but freelancing as a you know it's really as anybody who's listening or watching this knows who has freelanced obviously it can be so tiring yeah it can be so stressful it can be so there's a billion, just like the event thing, there's a billion yeah. things that can go wrong. Yeah, there's, a, I mean, there's always a billion things that can go wrong in any line of work. Sure. I mean, so it's less that and more of an, the idea of kind of like the echo chamber of like just having only sort of yourself to, you know, be the guiding principle for what you do. So for me, like it's about loosening up and, and adding team members, which I've actually recently done. So instead of a project manager or anybody who's responsible for my like kind of commercial corporate work, like I've kind of, I don't really have that anymore. I did for a while there. I had people who were kind of helping me manage the the money and the numbers and like the bigger commercial projects and stuff. And I kind of at one point, like I just didn't really feel the need for that so much. I was able to, I feel like I've learned enough where I can handle a lot of that stuff myself up front and don't mind doing it. But adding people who can help me build no pattern as a brand aside from the commercial work and kind of take it into a more like creative and sort of artful brand space that it was when I first started it and more products, no pattern kind of like as a brand itself and having, you know, people help me produce things like that's kind of where I'm at right now this year. That's kind of my push this summer. I have a couple people who I've been working with this summer on getting some things I'm really excited about putting out uh, later this year and kind of starting to sort of have like a, I would say like kind of the next chapter, like kind of a bit of a reemergence of like what I did with no pattern like years and years ago. And it was more like personal work and products and things like that. So looking at the site right now, it's like, you know, there's a lot of bulls stuff and I know bulls are like one of your, that just seems like one of your primary kind of projects, you know, that you return to a lot. And there's the Nike lab stuff that you were doing with like Virgil Abloh. Talk about what you're doing with the bulls now, what you just did with Virgil Abloh. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, those two projects I feel like are the thing that I think a lot of people are seeing from you at this moment. Yeah. The, uh, well, I'll talk the bulls stuff. I mean, that relationship, began four years ago I thought the Bulls Instagram was really horrible and uh, (laughs) I basically told myself I was going to help them make it better and I was going to reach out and like just find a way so but yeah I mean my my whole career was based on like these cold emails and just reaching out to people kind of sight unseen and just offering like hey like we should work together I think I can help yeah and I did that with the Bulls and at the time there was a guy there um, who was their head of marketing and he 
I reached out and I was like, man, like you guys have like the most iconic franchise in basketball in my it was one of the best logos in sports. The only logo in the NBA that's never changed. You know, the Bulls logo has never changed ever. There's and I not feel like it's recognizable worldwide. They're like you go through the history of like any other sports team and you can see like the Cubs have like a million logos. You don't sure. even understand. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. current classic circle Cubs logo is iconic and they have like one of the most iconic brands in all of sports by far. But they have gone through like they've, they've dozens had bears and as dozens and yeah. dozens of logos. Even when you don't notice it, like tiny little changes to the font. So the Bulls logo has never changed. So I just kind of felt like their Instagram should sort of like match the brand quality that they have in their actual brand. So I reached out to them and had offered up to come in and, and do some photography. And it went really well. They liked it. They kind of built it as like this Instagram takeover thing. And then they came back to me the next year and were like, hey, let's talk more about this. And so we kind of f- sort of... Um, formalized the deal um, where I would help kind of introduce the Bulls to photographers in the city. Not that they needed me to be the bridge for them because they could have just gone themselves, but they kind of wanted me as sort of an ambassador for them. Sure. Speaking on behalf of like Chicago's creative community and then going out to photographers like with the network that I already built sort of on their behalf. So I did that. It went really well. We had Bud Light as like a sponsor for the first year and they paid all the photographers. So it was able to turn into actual like, you know, financially viable project for other people. And then the next year we didn't have a sponsor, but we still did the project, brought photographers in and we're like kind of gave them ticket packages and all these different things. And then last year we did it again. And Zenny, who's the patch sponsor for the Bulls, uh, mm-hmm. was the one that paid uh, this time. And it's cool. I mean, I actually have a con, I have a con, like no pattern is a, like I have a contract, a season long contract with the Bulls. It's a kind of like the closest thing to, you know, saying I have a con, like as a player, like as a kid, you want to actually be <laughs> yeah, a basketball yeah. player. Like this is about like as close as it'll ever get for me, but they're yeah. amazing. They're an incredible, incredible group of people at the Bulls. I, I, they're a family. I love them. And they're um, very dear friends at this point too. It's, and it's, it's just an iconic team. It really is. It's yeah, like, absolutely. You talk about late. I mean, I wouldn't see like, it's not going to sound like it's related, but it's like, I went to see Ariana Grande at the United Center the other day. And, uh, you Looking know, up at the banners. Yeah. It's yeah. just like you, you look up at yeah. the banner at some point and you're just like, those are going to be there forever. Just celebrating yeah. this iconic moment when the bulls just couldn't lose Yeah, when they just kept winning. Right. And I mean, growing up in Chicago, that was a real, yeah, it's a big deal. And yeah. it's, and now I never take it for granted. Like I go there, I always get, whenever I shoot the games or if I bring someone to kind of help them out or whatever, I always get to the game early. Cause I like to eat in the media lounge and like have dinner in there. And it's like, it's more of just like bask in it. Sure. Kind of for that's, me. That's, a, like, that's a thing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's a very, I, like I said, I don't take it for granted. I think every time I'm there, I'm like, this is, this, this is really, really awesome. And like, I can't just be like, yeah, this is like, you know, this is, it's, another it, day. it's a, it's a very, very cool opportunity. And I'm, I'm very like kind of, um, aware of that. The Virgil stuff. I mean, there's a bigger backstory to that. It's not just like that kind of popped up. I mean, I, Virgil and I have known each other since, he came to see me speak when I spoke at Columbia College in 2004. Oh, wow. Oh, and my God, wow. that's where we first met. And then I started a blog called The Brilliance with one of my best friends, Benjamin, who's the founder of Boxed Water. And mm, then he has okay. his own brand, Benjamin Edgar. Um, he and I started a blog called The Brilliance. And in 2005, Virgil emailed us um, some writing samples. And um, again, this is like this goes way back. Yeah, this goes like way, way, way back. Um, like to when I was starting all my stuff early on and Virgil was just helping. Like Virgil was like doing a radio show with Lupe Fiasco. And oh my God, he was just like, he wasn't like Virgil, like that people know now, like the sure. world famous, like a list, you know, polymath designer. He was just like 
talented Chicago kid reaching out to people like anybody else. So he reached out to us and asked about being a writer for our blog. And <laughs> Ben and I were like, we, again, like you have to understand, like he was just another person emailing us, sure. he, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. He, but exactly. he, st- he stuck out and, um, we were like, all right, like we like this dude. He seems cool. Like, let's do it. So he came on board. Let's give this guy uh, Virgil Abloh a chance. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was honestly like Ben and I even were like, do we really want to do this? I mean, like (laughs) he was just a student. I mean, he was just a student. I mean, I really, I mean, we laugh now, but it really was not a big deal at the time. Like, but he struck us as really smart and kind of, um, I don't know. He just had a good sense of kind of what we were talking about at the time, which was like before Hypebeast started and before like all those sites started and we were kind of doing this sort of pre-blog kind of pre-blogging days in a way. And then Hypebeast started and Kevin Ma from Hypebeast and I started talking all the time and it just became this like early OG internet blogger type thing. And then obviously Virgil had his whole rise to what he is now. And throughout, throughout the years, the brilliance has sort of sustained. Um, and there's been kind of a, continued interest in it and uh, as he his as Virgil's star has risen far beyond mine and Ben and the brilliances people have kind of been like oh what was this blog Virgil used to have and GQ <laughs> did a story on on it just like years later like look at these cute posts Virgil used to do but anyways Nike did this whole program with um, Virgil as kind of the centerpiece of it with the you know the MCA um, mm-hmm. being you know his his solo exhibition Nike wanted to do something um, with with Virgil around their um uh, regrind program, which is about recyclable materials and, um, and all that. So anyways, the cool thing about that project was we worked on it at MKTG. And then I was also one of the mentors for the program. So I taught classes to the public and to this group of students. And I interviewed Virgil at the space and interviewed Matthew Williams from Aleeks at the space. And, um, just been a, a ton of really amazing, like kind of cultural sort of programming going on over there. It's still going on. You can go visit it. It's right next to the Nike uh, Michigan Avenue store. Yeah. Really, really cool space. Very, very cool for the kids, for youth, for anybody with an interest in creativity. There's just been a lot of really awesome stuff going on there. So that's been my summer so far. It's wild, man. I mean, you know, when I reached out, it was really just because, like, again, I kept seeing your name, and I knew you were doing cool stuff. And we've already had the conversation on the mic of, like, how would you get your start and stuff? Yeah. Like, and we'll link to that episode in the notes here. But it's like... I just wanted to kind of check in and be like, holy shit, man, you yeah. are keeping busy. I, I keep busy. I do. But that's I, great. I, I get antsy. Like I have to, <laughs> and it's not for like, a, I mean, I do, I mean, I'm pretty like, I'm pretty honest about the fact that I like the attention. I mean, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody's like, uh, I think I, people are lying if they do the kinds of things that like, you know, we all do or that I would do. And then they try and like shy away. It's like, no, like I like, I like kind of like this sort of spotlight and like having people see what I'm doing is like an addicting thing, but not in like a ego feeding sense. It's like, I'm excited to connect other people and do creative things and express that. And the fact that I have like an audience for it is just a very fulfilling thing to me. And like that sort of like a cyclical thing I just always am chasing. So, I mean, that's just me being honest. I think um, for me though, like these things come up and I like to talk about it when people want to talk about it, I like to share about it. Um, And I think the reason really ultimately is because like when I do these things, when I have like a, someone come up to me and say something like, man, 10 years ago, you know, I emailed you and you wrote me back and it changed the course of my career because I decided to continue school because of that. Or I, you know, whatever, like, you know, I mean, those kinds of things, like I always just kind of try and keep in mind, like the impact of whoever's watching and listening, like it could be very real. And I take that responsibility seriously so that it's not just this flippant, like whatever, you know what I mean? There's always, no, I mean, so. you've, you've always, 
been really great about coming on this podcast anytime I've asked. And like I said, you know, when we did that panel, whenever it was a year or two ago at Mosaic with Swopes and Dennis Lawrence, you know, I've had multiple people, including Nolas Anderson the other week on the podcast, multiple people have been like, I was in the audience for that. That was a great event. So mm-hmm. it's like people carry that stuff with you yeah, or absolutely. with them. And they, why, would, why else would they know? go? I mean, I don't yeah. think people like it's not it's not high school. Like you don't have to go to it's like, you sure. know, you don't like no one's like your parents are not like making you go to these. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, know? you don't like, so, like sign you, people's permission slips yeah, at the end being like, all right, you get credit for showing if up. If you're living on your own or are an adult and you choose to go to an event like that and then you sit on your phone the whole time, like, right. why did you go? You know, you should go and like, you know, take that stuff seriously. And as the person who's like got the mic, you should take it seriously enough that someone might be listening and actually caring about what it is that you're putting out there. So like my position now is someone, you know, like I'm 34. Like I don't, I don't feel old. Um, I feel older than I did when I started, but I still feel like I have a lot to give. And I feel like at this point, the biggest difference now is I feel like I'm in a bit of a mentor role. Like there's several people in my life who I've kind of play mentor to, um, and am a mentor to. And I think that that's like probably one of the more exhilarating experiences for me. Cause I really enjoy watching people. Um, I, w- I don't, I'm not sure if he would consider or not like, but Dennis was someone who I kind of like felt like really excited to help, you know, yeah, whether or not I was a mentor to him is really for him to decide. But I think he was someone who I just saw a lot of talent. In, and so I would always just ask him like what he needed or try and just be there for him and like make him like realize like, you know, he's got a good thing and don't, you know, don't squander. Tremendous it, talent, so. man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for real, like I really think yeah. he might be my, just in terms of like the work, like my favorite photographer in the city. I look at yeah. his work as somebody who works on the audio side mm. and has no, real entry into that world I look at that and I'm just like holy shit like yeah, that's amazing really that you're a he's wizard so experimental right yeah, yeah. yeah. it's so cool yeah. um, but man so um, no pattern is the the brand the name on all the social channels right yep yep, yeah. yep. Um, I own it pretty much everywhere that's amazing uh, Chuck Anderson man it's always just fun to kind of check in with you and hear what you're up to man and I mean I Without being presumptuous, I feel like it's not the last time we'll be sitting down like this on mics at some point, but yeah, I'm always appreciative when uh, you come through, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.